TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you for a very special episode with one of Australia's living legends. And as always, I couldn't do it from my brother from another mother. Today, he is dancing demo. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. How are you, legend? Uh, that's hilarious. Hello, Piercey. I'm great. Thank you very much. Um, I'm excited about today. I'm excited to be here with you. Excited to, to uh, jump on down to Battery Point in Hobart. So, uh, mate, thank you for organising this. Oh, my pleasure. Well, let's let's let everyone visualise what we're about to share with you. If you're listening and you're not driving, shut your eyes for a minute and go back in time decades ago, where our next guest was a young girl on her way to see Peter Pan with her family in Edinburgh, and little did she know that she was about to have her life's work laid out for her. For the young Judith Kerr, she was captivated by the dancers of the play and she knew then and there that she too would become a dancer. Judith went on to carve out a full international career. She has been teaching ballet in Tasmania, as you said, Damo, and Battery Point for the past 50 years and at 93 years young, she has no intention of stopping. Joining us on the line from Battery Point in between classes, it is a very warm welcome to Judith Kerr. Madam Kerr, Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good afternoon. Judith, thank you for joining us. And that's such an incredible story that Marcus has just briefly given us. Can you tell us a little bit more about seeing Peter Pan when you were a young girl and how that impacted you and what, you know, where did that lead you? Well, Peter Pan was really the start of everything, really, um, because it's, it's been part of my life all through. Um, even to becoming Peter in Peter Pan here in Hobart um, decades later. And and Judith, I'd love to know, when you saw that, you went on to carve out a international career in ballet, and it sounds divine and remarkable and everything, but I think having done some research on you, it wasn't exactly... Smooth sailing, from what I understand, you went to England and you attended the Royal Academy of Dance, but even they told you that you wouldn't be suited to a stage career. Can you share with us how uh, you well, actually, overcome challenges that, to yeah, live that out? Well, actually, what happened was um, I trained in Sydney at the um, Francis Scully School of Dancing, um, and Elaine Fifield and Cathy Gorham and I were in the same comp- in the same class. Now. The Royal Academy of Dancing would put forward a scholarship every two years. Now, Elaine won it the first year, so she should have. She was technically brilliant. I mean, she'd get 99 degrees, you know, out of 100 for for her exams. Um, I won it the second time, um, and Kathy's brothers sent her over in between, which I thought was the right thing to do because she deserved it. So um, we three of us actually went over to London more or less, you know, at the same time of our lives. And then I went to the um, Sadler's Wells Ballet School because that was on the scholarship and that's where scholarship people went. 
But I was told after a while that they thought I was entirely unsuited for a stage career and, um, you know, thought I should think of something else. And then, of course, waited for me to burst into tears, which I didn't do. What I actually did was <laughs> I said, well, I was expecting you to say that. And they were a bit stunned. There was a deathly silence. Then I said, well, what, what would you like to do? I said, well, I'd like to take the rest of my scholarship and and go to a ballet school in London. So I did. I, I went to the um, Judith Espinosa School. And from there, I joined the International Ballet Company and was from there on five years in one ballet company and then back here with Borovansky five years in another ballet company. So never be told you can't do something. No, no, definitely don't be told that you can't do something. And what we hear from the people that successfully age, do a great job at ageing, Judith, is that they don't take no for an answer. They just keep on kicking on and keep on doing things. They follow their dreams, their passion, things choose them. And and you said um, earlier on that uh, dancing chose you. You didn't choose dancing. How do you know that happened? Well, because I didn't have to think about it. <laughs> just fell there. There you were, you were dancing. I just went and, to dance. To, to ballet classes, and that was it. Ah, it's the best. You, What's you, it, uh, follow what, you, you follow what path presents itself. Yes. So well, it's it, true. In a lot of our conversations with Graceful Ages, there is some form of, um, you know, what we, what we might call a magnificent obsession or a, a magnetism. It's they can't stop thinking about it. It's the, they don't count the hours. They're not, they're not worried about clocking on and clocking off. Did you find for you dance was just something that you couldn't get out of your head you were you know if you're a young girl that had attended peter pan i imagine you were just dancing around the house and your parents were probably telling you to stop dancing and you just danced with everything that you did is it something that just came through you in a level of um uh intensity that you just could not could not curtail no it wasn't like that at all um when i was very much younger before i'd even been to bat dancing classes like most young children you know really young ones when there was music I would I would move to it and I would dance in the garden in 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 Edinburgh all on my own but just because I felt like it but that was all yeah right and and as you got older did you find that you were you know just effortlessly putting the time in like you said it's something that you just were chosen to do from a level of commitment when when we say that you know Judith Kerr had a full international career and traveling the world and so on and so forth I think um, you might be selling yourself short here but there's obviously an incredible amount of commitment that that requires did you find that an effort or did you find that something that you really look forward to doing no when I think about it what I always did was I wanted to do my best so therefore, I practiced and practiced, didn't I, to try and do my best. Yeah. And in actual fact, um, Elaine and Kathy and I were in the same class together, so we were our best in our own areas. So actually, we didn't we didn't um, compete at all. We were good friends. Elaine was the technically technically brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You could do anything perfectly, ninety nine, you know, out of a hundred. Kathy was mercurial, and I was the adage ethereal lady. So we each had our areas, uh, and we were good friends. We went so through nice. our training together. Yeah. Then yeah. Say, Elaine, Elaine won the scholarship the first year, the Royal Academy of Scholarship. I won it the next time, and Kathy's brother sent her over in between. So at one stage, we were all in 
in London together, but at different places. Then we were in different companies together. And we eventually landed up back here in Borovansky's company together again. So nice. So nice. Judith, I love those little stories. And I think the remainder of today's interview, will, t- will there'll be a lot more of those little stories, which we'll all love and fall in love with. I love it. Uh, now, I know that you're teaching these days, Judith, a mixture of people, a mixture of ages. Um, can you tell us more about your classes? Are they different to what other people might get, or do you have a different expectation of people? How do your classes go? My classes go to accommodate people that have a yen to get back to it after they've you know, grown up, had children, and now they've got their children have grown up and gone off and done their own thing, and they've got time. And they want to keep fit, but they don't want to go to keep fit classes and gym. And then they suddenly think, well, perhaps I'll go back to ballet, which is what they do. And then I have ones that want to try it for the first time. I started classes with the adult education department, which I still teach with. And um, they come and start as ballet for beginners. And in actual fact, occasionally, you know, I get them good enough, very occasionally, to move over to the other class. It's been going for longer. So great! It's so really, it's really impressive. There's a there's a, a story um, which, and you know, you might you might be so famous in Battery Point now, Judith, that you've got to sign your autograph every time you you go to town. But you know, a big shout out to one of our listeners, Carolyn Keen, who sent us your um, sent us a story on you that the ABC did on you, and one of the um, one of your class members, Penny Parrish, um, spoke about how she'd had some health challenges, particularly falling over. And she has been attending your classes and her balance is improving. And we know that as people get older, if they're not in great health, their risk of falling increases exponentially. So for someone that's been dancing for decades, how would you describe the importance of regular movement to people as they get older? Well, because one, ha- one has to keep doing as much as one's body's capable of for as long as possible. Um, the class that she comes to um, would be my Monday morning one, which is just a keep fit class to music. It's not ballet as such. It's a keep fit class. And I give them just exercises, um, which when you come to think of it, exercises are a lot of them are the same. I mean, you know, grand battements, the ballet, the footballers are doing great grand battements, but they don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> On somebody's shoulders, of course. Um, that's true. Like exercises do seem to be consistent, and, and you're right. I actually, one of the ladies that works for me, Trudy Petter, she's, a, she's been a ballerina, a ballet dancer for – 40 plus years and loves it. She's only 40 plus herself. So, you know, her whole life she's been dancing and she loves it. It's the ultimate fitness. She also does martial arts and all kinds of things to stay fit. But the one thing that she absolutely loves, she finds a happy place. It's the space where she is the most content is um, is when she's doing ballet. So I know that there's significant appeal for a lot of people and uh, and it really does capture people. But what I love about ballet is the amount of muscles that it works. Like swimming, it seems to work all muscles. And you must know other people that are your age, Judith, that don't have the balance or the strength or the posture that you do. And, and you'd have to put that down to ballet, surely, would you? I think so, yes. Yes. Because and, and your flexibility, is is that still very because good? Because it's harmonious. You know, it's yes. the harmoniousness of it. 
you're being in harmony because yeah. you use it properly. Like a flow, and and it continues to move. It's not it's not just a jolting movement. It is no, like no. you say. It's uh, it's peaceful. It's a peaceful movement. Well, it's natural. Mm. Yes. I wouldn't say if you saw me dancing ballet that it would be natural. <laughs> My arabesque is really, really divine. Uh, some people have called it, but um, that was just my kids when I told them to tell me that. Hey, um, Judith, I would love to ask you about aging gracefully because the sad truth is that uh, the majority of people are not aging gracefully and you're in the minority. You're in the exceptionals who are doing this thing called life absolutely uh, beautifully well. A lot of people don't want to get older. They fear it. There's 25-year-olds scared of turning 30 and 45-year-olds scared of turning 50. You are 93 years young. What advice do you have for people who aren't looking forward to getting older? Never look forward to it. Just keep going. Mm. Don't, 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 put it. It, don't put it in a category. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I like that. I, I love that. Can I – I'm going to share the reason why I love that. I hang out with a lot of people that are 10, sometimes even 20 years younger than me, and I play golf a lot, and I love it. And I, and I continue to try to compete to be as good as what they are at younger ages, and I don't consider – that I'm nearly 50. It's not something that I actually ever consider. It's just it's just a number. So yeah, probably the same as you. You just keep just, going. Just yeah, keep just doing it. Just a number. Yes. I love it. it. Just keep anything. doing it. No. Although I'm looking forward to seeing 100 candles on my cake. That would be quite cool. That would be, be a good thing. I'm a long way away from that. I'm only halfway there. But um, what do you, you have see, for because, breakfast? Because you're older. As a, as a woman, you don't have to dress how you think an older person should dress. You dress according to what su- you should. Dress according to what you feel comfortable in and look comfortable in. Lovely. But don't put yourself in a category, in an age category. Yes. You don't have to wear a red cardigan. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean to say you don't have to, to, to dye your hair blue. <laughs> I love that, this is so oh, good. I could. She's just I getting warmed up, Damo. I can feel it. She's just getting warmed up. I love this. I love it. I love it, Judith. I'd love to know because I'm a foodie, uh, and I'm a nutritionist, naturopath, and uh, I work with everybody's bodies. Um, what do you have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Is it is it stock standard? Are you still having haggis? I al- you have- yeah, I always have the same breakfast simply because I enjoy it. Okay. I have, I have. Um, fruit of some kind, stewed fruit or whatever, and on top of that, I put my mixture that I do myself of um, rolled oats and pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds and sultanas. And And on top of that, I put a Brazil nut because I like Brazil nuts and they're good for you. And my doctor said you should eat Brazil nuts. You should have four a day. I only put one large one on my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because they're expensive. They are. <laughs> That's they another are. thing. You know? and, and, and I want to go on you know, doing it. And then on top of that, I put yogurt, plain yogurt, plain yogurt. So that's what I have for breakfast and a cup of tea. Do you have nice. milk in your tea? Um, yes and no. It's a funny thing. Um, I always used to have milk in my tea, and then once I ran out of milk, and I started having the morning tea not, 
very strong without milk. And actually, I quite like it without milk now. So in the morning, I do. I have my first cup of tea without milk. Oh, I love oh. it. I love it. And then what do you do for lunch? Do you, do you snack between your breakfast and lunch? Because I find this fascinating. Some people say I, the people who seem to live the longest eat the least as well. So I find that. And you're eating like a sparrow so far. So uh, what, what do you have for lunch? Well, what's happened recently all over the world, I expect, is this COVID thing. And this COVID thing, which which put us in our houses and don't go out for nearly a year, didn't it? It was dreadful. And the result was that one ate all the time because one, what else could one, you know, one was there, the food was there, you were at home, you couldn't do anything, you couldn't go out. That was not good. I'm trying to get rid of snacking. That was really a bad thing to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what's on the menu at lunchtime at uh, Madame Care's house, Judith? Um, so for, for lunch, well, if I'm at home, I usually just have a sandwich, cheese sandwich, something like that, and some fruits and whatever, and any left, and sometimes if there's some leftovers and they happen to be good. I've been making salad recently, quick salad. I've discovered I can, I can make my own easily done potato salad, so that's good too. And so are we got... summer, it's salad. Nice. And is it meat and three veg for dinner? Yes. Glass of wine? Well, no, not, not meat. No, it's not meat. I haven't eaten meat for oh, about 40 years. Wow. Simply because, well, I started not eating it when I was in England staying with relatives who were vegetarians. And I found that I quite liked not eating meat. And then I thought I quite liked the idea of not eating meat. So when I was on tour with the International Ballet Company, I used to just tell the people I was staying with, the digs or whatever, and, I, and if I was invited out, that I was a vegetarian. Um, but when I was in Europe, it got too difficult. I had to keep saying it in different languages and I had to learn how to say it, so I got back to eating meat. But then I didn't really enjoy it. So I've kind of become a vegetarian because I prefer it. And you go. <laughs> you've, you've got us now. We're loving this. Go, Domo. Yeah, this is this is big. We often talk about this, Judith, because many people talk to us and say that the secret to longevity and the secret to a long life and healthy life is the avoidance of animal proteins. And so vegans um, would espouse to a vegan lifestyle, but we had we haven't met a vegan that's getting close to 100 who's been a vegan for a long period of time all their whole life. But meeting a vegetarian, someone who would call themselves a vegetarian is the closest we've come. Uh, and you're the first person, so congratulations. That's another medal, another thing for you. But that's amazing because we we haven't met anybody who's been vegetarian um, for... Bill Stevens, yeah. Bill Stevens, the personal trainer from Melbourne. He was in his 80s. He was having fish. So my question was, are you having any yes. white meat? Do you have any fish or chicken? I eat, yes, I eat fish and, and chicken. Yep, there, there you go. go. Fish, yep. chicken Good. and egg. Fish, yes. chicken, eggs, and cheese are my main staple. And yogurt. And yogurt. Yeah, that's yes. the breakfast. Yep. Yes. Love it. Okay, good. That gives me a bit of clarity because I was thinking, okay, this is very interesting because you challenge your body. You know, you continue to dance um, and that requires certain nutrients for your body. And yes, you can get amino acids and proteins from vegetables and so on and so forth, but the easy access ones are from the from the animal proteins. So I was interested to see how you went with that. That's That's great. Well, I'm afraid I'm addicted to chocolate. Oh, you are my type of lady. This is good. Me too. That's that's all of us. 
That's good. That makes especially, three. Especially, especially chocolate that has liqueur with it, because I'm not oh. a drinker, oh. but I do like a bit of liqueur in a chocolate. Oh, this is good. Otherwise, I don't drink. I don't like. I don't like wine. I, I don't like wine at all. Doesn't interest me. That's okay. Now, what about uh, dessert in the Madame Care household? Is it is it a bowl full of chocolate? Have you got any? Um, no fruit. Fruit. Well, I could, yeah, but I can't be bothered making. Yes, desserts. big bakes. Fruit and stewed fruit, because stewed fruit you can put things with it or eat it with a, you know, with a digestive biscuit or something and turn it into something else. I often I wonder. Don't, I don't make. I I can. I I used to make a very good lemon delicious. Oh, that I loved. Lemon yeah. delicious was great. I was good yes. with lemon delicious and apple crumble. Those were my fortes. Nice. Now, what about the experience that you would have had uh, 80 odd years ago? Do you think uh, growing up through a war um, has a major impact on your dietary choices? No, but I'll tell you what it did do. You know, when we, we suddenly were, were um, what is it, when you only can have so much? Rationed? Rations? Poor. When we were rationed. Yes. Now, honestly, when we were rationed, our family found we we ate more jam and butter than we'd been eating before, <laughs> which was very strange. Yeah, but how delicious, jam and butter on scones. Um, you mentioned earlier on um, Edinburgh. Did you spend some time in Edinburgh? Did you grow up in Edinburgh? Um, yes, I was born. First of all, I was born in Bangor in North Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never went to school in in Wales because um, then my father became a professor of a, a lecturer of philosophy in Edinburgh. So we moved there. I suppose must have been when I must have been about oh four or five, I suppose. Um, and then we left. We left Edinburgh to come to Australia when I was ten. Uh-huh. Right. Because oh, I was thinking, you know, as as um as someone who's lived in Scotland, did you eat haggis and did you have oh, black we did. pudding? Yeah, we yes. had haggis on the Sunday. I remember yes. having haggis. Yeah, wasn't all that. I wasn't all impressed with haggis. <laughs> what about black pudding? What about black pudding? How did you go with that one? Oh, quite like black pudding. Yes, there we go. But I didn't have that until I didn't have that till I went back to. UK on my to England, yeah. Um, now, I'm just going to veer away. I've got one more question for you, Judith, and I would love to know. I know your daughter lives in Hobart and you're a real social uh, personality. It's been a wonderful conversation today. One of the main components of longevity based on the conversations and research Damien and I have done is an active social life, regardless of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. What is your social agenda like you're obviously running multiple classes each week so you're around people regularly what do you how often do you like to socialize do you have a bit of a rhythm in your social life no no i don't um i used to just like i used to just like going well it used not to have much time for it actually but i used to like to go into town a lot just walk about and be amongst people yes and then of course being in 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 Productions. There were a lot of productions here, musicals, and we put did our own. Misha and Slavinsky and I we did our own ballet productions. So I mean that was that was the socialising really working, 
working with groups of people. Yeah, but said another way, you still find yourself spending time with people within your community. Like you said, it just could be going for a walk around the town or um, it could be being a part of a production and so on. But you still find at your age you're enjoying being around people and that gives you energy and uh, um, pep in your step, so to speak. I just like being out and about. I go for a walk down on the – I'm looking out of my window now down on a bit of a small beach. I go for a walk on there and other people are walking there. And and it's a good place to live because you have – you know, even if you don't see them every day, you know your neighbors and they're friends. Mm. You know, you just feel like you're in a friendly place. (laughs) Oh, well, you sound like an incredibly – have I have special friends too, you know. Absolutely. Well, you sound like an incredible – uh, friendly woman and we've uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, chatting with you today and learning about your life and we love your um, yeah, energy and your enthusiasm for life, Judith, and we thank you so much for sharing your wisdom uh, with us here on 100 Not Out. It's been great fun talking to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Judith. No worries at all. And as we like to wish every single one of our guests, Judith Care, may the rest of your life continue to be the best of your life. Thank you so much. For all of our listeners here, if you would like to connect with Damien, head on over to damienchristoff.com, myself, marcuspierce.com.au. And if you haven't seen the ABC story on Judith Care, make sure you have a look in the show notes and we'll make sure a link is in there for you. Until next week, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.